0: Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast. We're so happy to have you all back. Thank you for joining us. Jim Parkin, Asha Chandler, myself. We have an amazing guest, Pastor Pradeepanjiva, co-lead pastor out in Seattle at Kalos Church.
1: <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Again, I mean you're our first out of state guest. So this and is it so cool. <laughs> this is like a huge, huge landmark. That's it's awesome. like an event, a podcast yeah. event.
2: I feel like I'm a good bridge out of state guest because I used to live in your world. I lived in Highland township.
0: There you go.
1: (laughs) I can remember like seeing you, it was weird because I can remember like you guys would come up for, they had a couple like outside worships services and then, you know, we'd go up that what we call truck road right next to Mm -hmm. the church, you know, and I'd seen you and your wife there. And then like we, before we went on, that whole strange phenomenon in the Fort Lauderdale
2: pass-through
1: <laughs> a few years ago, which has been several years now.
2: Yeah, that was like 2016. Is, yeah. It's
0: crazy. <laughs> Time yep. goes by like in a weird way. Ran
2: into you in the airport randomly in Florida. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and honestly, too, what's strange is we all passed through I think, 24 hours prior to that shooting that happened there so like the very next day there was a shooting in the like that's right whatever the baggage claim and then when we all came back through we saw you guys again in the airport
2: that's right uh, it was two times yeah i forgot about that with a shoot with a shooting in between yeah (laughs) that's crazy so crazy
1: yeah so tonight we're just kind of we're going to hear uh Pastor Pradeepan's story, like he said, he, he was, I mean, I don't know how you got to, to Cornerstone Church, but just kind of how you got to where you are to pastoring and then, you know, obviously moving out West and planting a church, kind of how those seasons all came together, you know, because yeah. a lot of our listeners know and they've heard us talk about, we're going to start this house church. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of hear the process of all that you know, it'd be super beneficial to us too. as yeah, We're just sure. kind of embarking Absolutely. on this.
2: Well, I'm excited for you guys to start a house church and uh, I'd be happy to share about my journey and getting into ministry, pastoring, and actually led to recent house churches here in Seattle that we actually started. Awesome. And uh, oh, wow. my my family, just to back up a little bit, so you understand the context of how I found Jesus and why I wanted to be a pastor is my family is from a small tropical island country called Sri Lanka that is south of India. And in the 80s, there was a a civil war and lots of people were dying. It was very unsafe for my family. And they were able to be refugees and escape the war by immigrating to Minnesota in the winter as refugees. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> under political asylum. So, yeah, they went from tropical island paradise to Minnesota in the winter time, And they were practicing Hindus at the time. There was no uh, temple to worship at. They didn't, you know, speak English as a first language. Suddenly all their job and educational experience didn't count anymore. And they were right. just starting from scratch. And this was before I was even born. So my mom, my dad, my sister, the transition was so intense that they decided— they couldn't handle it and started looking for bridges to jump off of together as a family. It was just, you know, the trauma of war, the trauma of transition, Mm -hmm. not having a support system. It was just very difficult. And my dad was sitting on a bench in downtown Minneapolis, contemplating the plan and a pastor saw him and took the time to sit with my dad because he noticed something was wrong. And he didn't just walk by. He, he sat with my dad and my dad shared the the situation, the pastor said, you don't have to do this alone. In fact, you don't have to do this at all. Why don't you and your family live with me, my wife, our three sons in a small trailer home, and we'll, we'll help you get on your feet. And so my, my family, wow. yeah, my family took them up on it and they, they moved in and they experienced the Christian love of hospitality, the radical love of Jesus heard the gospel. And in that, that True loving environment. They went from wanting to end their lives to to conceiving a new life, and that's where my family got pregnant with me. Don't ask me how I know that I was conceived in that trailer home. <laughs> it was get really awkward. It's a
0: little um, bit logistically, it's a little yeah, bit tricky.
2: <laughs> but I, I know, I know, I I found out. <laughs> so I, I just think that that is really the power of the gospel. Amen. Taking a, fa- a right. family, a strange family, foreigners. And saying, hey, we're going to help you go from death to life through the message and tangible practice of the gospel. And, and so that, that story, even the reason of my existence, has really motivated me to not just freely receive that kind of love, but give that love. And so that, that's right. why I wanted to be a pastor. And so I, I grew up in Minnesota, went to Bible school at Oral, Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to, to you know, be a local church pastor, to study evangelism. How can we reach the lost? Uh, I spent uh, a couple years uh, working for a church in Colorado Springs for two years, lived in Korea for a year, um, got my master's in education, started working in, in schools and things like that. And then um, I felt like, okay, uh, I need to really think about what am I doing for the rest of my life? Cause I had all these different paths. Like yeah. I, I had been right. studying for ministry, but then I had kind of gone down this educational path working in schools. And I felt like the Lord said, you need to, you need to work in vocational ministry and, and like preach the gospel, spend your time preparing, studying the word, not necessarily in the educational aspect of schools. And so during that time I was praying, I got a call from, a uh, One of my good friends from college, Pastor Luke Forstoff at Cornerstone Church, and he said, hey, why don't don't you come? Like that week, I had just been praying about it. Why don't you come and be a youth and young adult pastor here in Michigan? And so that's why I moved there, and uh, I, I served there for five years. Young adult ministry, youth ministry, had a blast. We saw God do some amazing things. A lot of people saved and baptized, filled with the Spirit, He'll got to do ministry with freedom and make friends with you all with uh Encounter, mm-hmm. rest in peace, Encounter. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> the young adults are still there, but yes. just a new name. <laughs> rest in peace to the name, Encounter. But uh, that's how I ended up in Michigan. And then during that time, should I keep going into the yeah. church, yes. church yes. planting part? Yeah, yeah. During that time, uh, after about five years, we felt a call to to church plant and really start something new and fresh. And this happened during a time where my wife and I, we actually got pregnant for the first time and we're really excited. But sadly that, that first pregnancy ended in a a miscarriage and that was like devastating. Uh, it was the first time. So we didn't know if there was like something wrong with us. Yeah. We didn't know like if we could ever have kids. And the thing about miscarriages is like, it feels like nobody talks about them until you have one. And then Mm -hmm. everybody's like, oh, yeah, I had one of those, too. We're like, oh, really? You went through this pain and I've never (laughs) heard about that. Like, it it was just so devastating. I went to such a deep, dark place that I didn't know how I was going to cope, to be honest. And uh, so I I just not because I'm super holy, I decided to do a 40 day fast where I, I only drink water for 40 days so I'm still like a youth pastor, still have to be high energy and not <laughs> eating any food, not drinking any juice, just water, I lost like 32 pounds. And it was just like, it was a crazy time. But I felt during those moments, the Lord spoke to me and said, I know you're, you're struggling to build your physical family. I want you to focus on building a spiritual family. I want you to start a beautiful church in a beautiful place and so, so that's when we felt my wife and I felt like this is of the Lord all right let's start a church talked with our our pastors and they 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 blessed us and you know equipped us to go yeah. and, and, and and gave us a, a huge offering to go start a church and uh, we just feel so blessed by by Cornerstone Church for their generosity and we didn't know where we we're going to plant the church and so we prayed and fasted again and Uh, I had a dream in the middle of the night where I felt like the Lord said, plant this church in a place called Bellevue. The thing is, I had never heard of Bellevue. My wife had never heard of Bellevue. And so my wife said, let's do let's do something really spiritual. Let's Google it. (laughs) And so so we did and we are like, oh, my goodness, this is in Seattle. Like that is so far away. There's such a different uh, culture and people than Highland Township, Michigan. Like, you know, I I lived on a dirt road. I took Clyde to Cornerstone. That was on a dirt road. Cornerstone Church (laughs) is literally in between an apple orchard and a Christmas tree farm. Mm -hmm. And Bellevues (laughs) are like the two richest people in the world at the time lived, you know. Jeff Bezos right. and Bill Gates. I think Elon Musk just took them over, though he's the richest person on there <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> but it it was crazy. But we 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 moved out here. We didn't know anybody. We didn't have a, a ton of personal money. And we just started to to pray and meet anybody we could. We moved out here February 2017 and We just like try to meet people. Hey, you want to start a church with us? Like we don't know. We don't know anybody. We don't have a lot. Like I think our personal savings cause we lost all our income was like $3,000 in the most expensive area. Like I remember looking for a house to buy in Holly, Michigan for $6,000. Yep. Like, it was filled with black mold. We would have died in that house, but we would have died homeowners.
0: Right. And, uh, right.
2: <laughs> and now, like in Bellevue, like the, like the average house is like a million dollar home. Like yeah, that's the first an- the first step
0: would be that six thousand. Just the first step, like yeah. up to the house, would be that six thousand.
2: <laughs> like the si- six thousand dollars is like our bubble tea budget now. It's just a totally different yeah. price point. Like, I think if you make less than $90,000 a year here, you, you're you com- considered in poverty. Like, it's just, it right. was very scary to start Absolutely. a church like that with no solid income. And so uh, our first meeting, we had it in uh, May of 2017 in a coffee shop. We prayed, we fasted, we invited as many people as possible, and only three people showed up. <laughs> we're like We're And we're used to like, you know, in, in at Cornerstone, we would throw these big events and you know, with the youth and we get right. hundreds and thousands of kids to come out. It was like, now it's just three people and we don't have any resources and we don't know the culture. We don't know what we're doing at all. And so we worked harder, prayed, fasted, all of that. In our second meeting, praise the Lord, we had like 67% increase and five people showed up. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're like reaching people. Hit reaching the numbers, people. man. Yeah. <laughs> our, 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 like two weeks later, uh, we had our third meeting and 65 people showed up in our backyard and we we're like, what is going on? Lord, thank you so much. And right. 30 of them decided to join our launch team. They said, we want to serve. We want to help. We want to be on board.
1: Wow. So, that's
2: cool. So then uh, two months later we had our first official service in a comedy club, no joke. And, uh, <laughs> and 200, and 234 people came. Oh my God. And we, we couldn't believe it. And people are getting saved, baptized. And cause this is the most unchurched region in all of America. So right. like, us doing a church like this. It was just like, it was crazy. It was in a comedy club. It was like, it was bizarre for everybody, but we just wanted to focus on making known the beauty of Jesus. Cause so yeah. many people have heard or seen ugly things when it comes to faith and religion and church, but. We really strongly believe that if you look at the words, the ways, the lifestyle of Jesus, it's it's actually pretty right. beautiful. Like yeah. don't don't like just Jesus based on how people misrepresent him. You yeah. know, but how, how <laughs> right. does he represent himself? It's like saying, All all, you know, marriages are bad because You know, some people messed it up, but the ideal of marriage is actually really good. Or all kids are bad because some are, you know, like (laughs) cause trouble. But like the idea of raising a kid is pretty awesome. So let's like not just look at the worst case scenarios. And so as we presented the best case scenarios of Jesus, man, more more and more people like just became alive and thought, wow, he's he's teaching us how to truly be human, how to not be lonely, how to not be surrounded by death. And so things began to grow we a year later we launched a second service and then um six months after that we broke 500 for the first time and then um we were, were getting some serious momentum like so i think we broke 500 for the first time two years in and then um right before like two years and three months the pandemic hit <laughs> <And> so <laughs> we had all this momentum to start a church and then we had to pivot. Qu- quite a bit yeah exactly <laughs> and let me know if I'm talking too much because no I no, just, no I'm loving no, this, this no, is I so can good. just I'm a preacher so I can just storytell forever
0: <laughs> I can always uh, edit you after so it's okay. totally fine <laughs> I'm just kidding I'm
2: just kidding yeah so uh um we we were totally like oh my goodness this changes everything and there's yeah. suddenly no no playbook for church planning no playbook right. for uh like a church like. And so we kept on saying this phrase, like we may not have a playbook, but we have the Holy Spirit. And yeah. so right. we're just we're just gonna pray. We're gonna focus not on what we can't do, but can we still love people? Yes. Can we still pray? Yes. Can we still communicate the gospel? Yes, like through podcasts, through YouTube, through Facebook. Yeah. I mean, can can we still call people and encourage them? Yes. so we can we can still right. do a lot, right? to bring right. people to Jesus and uh it's crazy during this time we, we actually launched what we called house gatherings and so we everything was going like with the restrictions um back and forth back and forth because things are changing so fast yeah Seattle Seattle's pretty strict so like schools shut down restaurants shut down parks shut down like everything and so churches were we're not meeting in person just online but then uh we were given the opportunity to do really small services. So like five to 10 people. And so we're like, all right, let's take advantage of this. So, so we we started launching house gatherings where we would equip leaders uh, with messages, teach them how to pray, lead communion, lead a discussion. And then, uh, so it was just a a decentralization of preaching the gospel with a centralized support system. Cause we weren't asking them to like, you know, learn how to preach a message overnight, but we could help them pray for one another, you know, encourage one another and and watch this message together. And so so they did that. And so people started uh, joining and people like who had never been to church, you know, I think I'm baptizing someone uh, in two weeks who's literally never been into a large church gathering in his life like you know all always, awesome. always known as online church and house gathering church
0: that's amazing
2: and it's cool like god god is still working even through that so we have them all over the city and we we uh can meet with like uh 50 people or 25 percent of a building um capacity okay. now and so now so we're doing right. um watch parties now which is kind of the same idea of these house gatherings but we, people can meet online in Zoom. They can meet in their homes, or they can come to a larger house gathering of fifty people. Okay. And so we just launched that this last Sunday, and, and people showed up. <laughs> uh, it's cool. People are still being added to the church. We're baptizing more people, and it's it's awesome to see how how God's working. Yeah, so absolutely.
1: That.
2: So that okay. kind of catches you up to speed to where we are at Kalos Church right now that the, my, my wife right. and I co co founded in two thousand and seventeen. And all glory to God. This is not, yeah, we just, we're just amazed. This has gotten a lot better than we expected, to be honest.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I love that with the house gatherings, that it's created this opportunity for people that normally wouldn't do something, like pray for somebody so readily. Yeah. They're given permission right. and encouragement and guidance and teaching on, hey, let's do this. And so it, it's a smaller, safe place. In, yeah. in a lot of that regard, mm-hmm. but then it's like, hey, let's, you know, instead of, hey, pray for somebody in front of 50 people, pray yeah. for that person right. where there's six of you in the house. Yeah. And it's more of like a friend to friend thing rather than like everybody's on the spot. So I just think that it's a really sweet environment to encourage and teach and empower like yeah. believers, you know?
2: There are definitely some really sweet, intimate moments, some extremely awkward moments <laughs>
0: for sure probably uh, it's it's just <laughs> yeah. real it's
2: real it's real life you know there's yeah. not there's not a lot to hide behind <laughs> yeah you know
1: right uh, well especially now too you know going through um you know the, the last year 2020 of a pandemic and uncertainty you know with the, I mean this week we have an inauguration and then we have yeah you know we have Kind of is weird, right? Because there's like these two, seems like warring factions, Mm -hmm. and one side believes it's just going to be all good. We'll have an inauguration. We'll move on, and the other side, you know, they're they're preaching this other weird stuff that's just kind of off track and off base, and you know, so it's it's just a crazy, crazy time. But to have the opportunity to be in smaller groups of people it would seem to me like that would be way easier to be able to encourage each other, kind of stay focused on the gospel, stay focused on what, you know, the Christian mission really is, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd say some of the the strengths of it is like you can't hide. And so if you're missing people notice, you know, when we go around we ask for prayer requests, people want to know what's going on with your life. So we, we ask, like, like, right. what, what are you celebrating? What can we pray for you about? And, you know, if you have nothing to say, that's totally fine. There's no pressure, but you, you know, as you go more and more weeks and you're navigating political unrest, the pandemic, you know, that things aren't all good <laughs> in each other's life. Right. We're, we're all going through all right. a, col- a collective trauma and we want to pray for you. Right. I, I think people feel that. And so, yeah, people open up and want to learn and, you know it's not just like you're a spectator anymore when people are asking real questions all of a sudden like yeah. how, just like how do i read the bible like great sermon but like how, right what is the what is the bible you're like oh whoa oh. <laughs> you're like all right yeah. we got it we got to have a whole another conversation <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> yeah <coughs> excuse me
0: well and i th- i think the environment exp- like demands that type of relationship in a way like i'm yeah. going to have a different conversation hopefully over time and building trust mm-hmm. coming into somebody's house than I would just greeting somebody in like a foyer of a bigger yeah. building it's it's a different mm-hmm. feel and even with those conversations i might knowing that i can sit down and and have this full conversation would probably be more apt to have a full conversation on the political stuff like on all yeah. that stuff than if i'm like in the hallway with my kids trying to hurry out of the building to get my kids home from, you know, from church. So I think there's an advantage to that too. Like you're saying, it's just a more Mm -hmm. intimate environment.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. What's, what's cool about it too is, is the, the group that we'll be working to bring in and invite in are all people that I work with in paramedic world. Mm. So like you were saying that there's no hiding. So when I'm asking you like, Hey, so how you doing? What's, what are you going through? What are you thinking about? And they say, Oh, I'm good. And then I can be like, nah, Nope. Cause I know <laughs> that call that you were on, you know, yeah. I work here too. So I know that it's not okay. And I know that the, all the extra that we have to do with, with different mask use and protocols and all these other things. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm really looking forward to the fact that, you know, none of these people can hide and it's funny. Now they don't even try. Now people <laughs> just come up to the rig and, you know, with all kinds of questions, speaking of Bible questions, I had a dude a couple years ago, I decided at the first of the year, I'd just start from the beginning and start posting scripture every single day. And I got to a point in, in Genesis and this dude calls me up just frantic. And he's like, dude, so I'm reading Genesis. He said, am I reading this right where these daughters on two consecutive nights got their dad drunk? I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> that, that's accurate. He's like, this is crazy. And he like, so he had this whole other concept of how like a very kind of new Testament only concept of what right. he thought church was. Yeah. But it was cool. Cause it, you know, brought good conversation and where I was like, no, dude, maybe read this too.
2: Here's the gospels. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, and even like I went to Spring Arbor University. So Ah. like I was saved when I was little, but we had family drama, so we didn't always go to church. And so when I got to college, I didn't understand why there were four Gospels. Like I didn't understand why there was Mm. four stories of Jesus's life and everything. Like that confused me. And then I didn't realize either that the entire, like the fact that it's like, the prophets, with all like the Bible's organized Old Testament and New Testament, but then the Old Testament isn't necessarily in chronological order with all of yeah. the books and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, just even understanding like what you're opening up and looking at, like there's a yeah. lot of education in that way. Like, people spend their entire lives learning and studying the Bible, and we still only, right? It's still the, the yeah. active, living, breathing Word of God and stuff. So I mean, there's there's just a lot of stuff. So we're excited to be able to just have all the conversations, like just yeah. be able to be a safe place where we can throw any of that out, you know, and just not have anybody feel like there's something they can't ask or can't bring up, you know?
2: That's so good. And being in that intimate environment as, you know, someone who's also uh, hosting a house gathering every Sunday. So we're like watching me and my wife preach. But the questions that were coming up forced us to preach differently in the future. So even like what you were just mentioning, the last two sermons, three sermons we've preached have been about breaking down Christian disciplines. And, And so I just like last Sunday, I preached a message with 13 points on how to start praying. You know, and just breaking down different categories of prayer, like what is what is Thanksgiving, what is adoration, what is what is supplication, what is intercession, what is lamentation, you know, what is confession and repentance, and what is liturgical prayer, what is conversational prayer, like what is med- that's awesome, dude. I need to go. Prayer. I need
0: to watch that. I'm gonna watch that this week.
2: You know, these are like all things in the Bible,
0: yeah.
2: but right, we, it, it's like we're we're so. Used to it, we forget what it's like to learn it all, yeah. and so I'm like this right. simple message on how to pray. It's actually not simple. And the week before that, we talked about how to read the Bible, and it was like nine points. And it was like point number one: get a Bible. You know, and <laughs> you you think that's obvious, but like when you're in a house gathering environment, people say, "Hey, I want to read the Bible. What do I do? Uh Get a Bible." He's like, "Well, what what kind? Right? You know, like should right. I should I get a this?" King James version where like, I don't like Psalm 22 is talking about unicorns. Like, what is this book talking about? You know, and then you look at it in the NLT or NSRV, it's not unicorns, it's oxen, you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, these different translations and paraphrases and like, what kind of Bible do I read? And why, why don't you guys tell me the page number? Why are you always saying the book? Like there's like 66 books in here. What is this like one book or is it a library? What is the old? What's the new Testament? Why does the story of Jesus have more reboots than (laughs) Spider-Man? What is,
1: (laughs) you know? Right. But Absolutely though. Yeah. So
0: fair though. That's fair. If you don't know that. (laughs) Yeah. So good. So good. So I don't know. I want to ask some questions about getting, uh, like your journey with the Lord, like doing this, like, what are the, what are some of the things, how did you grow through this? Like, what were the things that you came up against? Like, did you, did you ever feel like, ah, this isn't going to work? Or were you more the type, like, I know that God's promised it. So it was more like how he was doing it. Like what, what types of things that did you run into and Mm. how have you grown through this?
2: You know, church, church planning is a very, very difficult experience. It's, um, I'd say being a, a dad and planting a church, the hardest things I've ever been a part of in my life. And so so my, my wife and I just felt like uh, uh, we're not we don't really feel called to succeed. We f- really feel called to try. and that, And that's what we're going to do. Cool. Mm-hmm. We're just we're going to be we're going to be faithful. We're going to we're going to give our best. We're going to go for it. But if if we just have to lay down our lives for someone else to build off of one day, you know, like the this, like the blood of the martyrs, water the seeds of the church. If we're just yeah, like, right. you know, water for the next generation, that's okay. And so, man, we, we've grown a lot. Uh, church planning really exposes you because you don't have a big church to depend on. It's just you like, it's like street lighting scene. I don't know if you guys have ever right. just walked around the street trying to share the gospel but you, you're not going to impress anybody with lights. You're not warming up people with music. Uh, you can't socially proof (laughs) anything. You have no credibility. You're just like, Hey, that was all we did. (laughs) Like we didn't have a service, you know, for the first like nine months of living here. And so (laughs) we didn't, and we didn't have jobs. So people didn't know who we were or what we're doing. So we're just exposed and vulnerable and had to be humble and had to hustle and and go for it. And so as, as the church grew and those rhythms came, things became a lot easier. But when you don't have that established rhythm and that established core, you really have to pray and fast and lean on the Lord. And then the just the I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the book called Leadership Pain. It's by Sam Chan. You know, I, I highly mm-hmm. recommend this book, but the whole premise of the book is in order to be a leader, that means you make change. And whenever, because you have a preferential destiny, you're like, yeah. I've been here, I want to take you here. So leaders lead you somewhere. And, and so that mm-hmm. means things change. Your, uh, your destiny, your, your scenery changes, the way you knew life to be, it all changes. And whenever there's change, that means there's loss. And whenever there's right. lo- loss, there's pain. And so the whole premise of the book is your ability to lead is your ability to, to handle pain. Wow. Like If you want to have influence, you're going to cause a lot of change, which is going to cause a lot of pain. And you're going to, you're going to carry right. a lot of that. And we, we experienced that. Church planning really exposed us to insecurities, stresses on our marriage, stresses on our family, stresses on our group, our, our, our self, our relationship with God. And also spiritually, there's just like so many like spiritual battles and uh, just and quote unquote coincidences that happen. Like in our our first year of church planting, um, my wife's father suddenly passed away. Wasn't that old. My 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 stepdad passed away. My sister, uh, uh, she got dengue fever and was um, bedridden for a couple of months and went blind my my son uh was diagnosed with uh, autism and is still pretty much nonverbal, and he's about to turn five years old um my but you know multiple divorces in my family including my father and my other stepmom you know just like i can list them boom boom i can list several more and it was just like oh my goodness and you you start to hear this from a lot of people i'm not trying to scare you guys as (laughs) you church plant but a, a lot of people as a they, they start to church plant or start to launch out in a God dream. It's yeah. really attacked a lot in the infancy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if you can, if you can stop it, right. It's like when Je- you know, like Jesus is born and he's about to go on this plan to redeem the whole world, to bring salvation. And he's like hidden for the first 30 years of his life. Right. He's just, yeah. he's right. just studying as a carpenter. He's not like preaching. He's not doing miracles. And he he only on the earth for like 33 and a half years. And the first 30, he's just chilling. And so, (laughs) right? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, he gets baptized. So he's about to go public in his ministry. And then he's finally public. People know who he is. The spirit of God descends on him. The Holy Spirit, a voice breaks out. This is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him, right? Let's go. What does he do? All right. I'm going to go into the wilderness for 40 days and be alone. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, we're aren't, we're, in a, we're in a rush. We got to save humanity. So he's been alone for 30 years, and now he's alone for 40 days. And what happens? The devil tries to tempt him, yeah. tries to take him oh, out yeah. of the game right away. And I, I just see that pattern in a lot of my fellow church planners In those early days, there's a lot of stuff that tries to take you off course, take you out of the game, discourage you. Oh, well, yeah. Help, you know, and so... Yeah. That forces you to grow. Cause you, you, it's just like, when you, you know, when you work out sore muscles, create more muscles, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And you're going to go through that. So I've had to really depend on the Lord when he's silent, when he's speaking those, those valleys, those mountain tops, because the truth is mountain top moments are great, but in the real world, if you have ever climbed a mountain, I'm I'm surrounded by mountains here in Seattle. There's no fruit on the mountain tops. All the fruits in the valley.
1: <laughs> right. All
2: all the fruits in the valley. <laughs>
0: that's a very
1: absolutely. Good point.
2: <laughs> and so, if you yeah. want to, gr- if you're going to see fruit grow, that means you're going to be in the valley. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: You know, right. Not, not on a mountain top. That's a good point. Yep.
0: But kind of have to think about that for a second. That's pretty good.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, climb a I mean
0: y- yeah. I mean, those are times where <laughs> you either hang on to the ship that's sinking or you hang on to his promises. You know, you really Mm -hmm. have to, I'm grateful for those moments in life where I've, it's become very clear what the decision and choice to choices and trusting, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's painful. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's painful as you change, like going back to talking about change, I'm going to go through this process and I'm either going to be allowed to change, allow myself to change and trust him or I'm, going to continue being the same thing that I was before, but now I know more, like I see more. And so now I I, yeah. I know more, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so I pray, I trust the Lord. He, he has been amazing. I also, I also have a, a trauma therapist, you know, that's that awesome. I go to see weekly. And I, I think that's been really important uh, to just process all this is, especially in this year of leadership. I mean, a lot of my pastor friends have just gone through the ringer, you know, it feel it feels like you know you're a referee in a basketball game, or yeah. no matter what call you make, half the audience is going to hate you. You know, right? But as as the church, we're not we're not partisan, but we are political. You know, we're not right. neutral. We're not neutral, but we are peculiar. Just like a, a referee, right. we got we got to like represent the kingdom of God, right? <laughs> not not the, this side or this side, and you, that everybody wants to be that person. But when you're a bridge like that, you can't be surprised when people want to walk on you (laughs) and it's painful. (laughs) Well,
1: it was even at like a low level kind of behind the scenes of that. So here pandemic hits and we go uh, like almost immediately it ramps up to where they have to shut down indoor services. So then we're going to do, we did the drive in service for what actually like three weeks, four weeks, And then they stopped that too. And then they got, you know, we were fully online for a while and then they have, it's a big auditorium. So what happens even, even till now, you kind of, you go online, you sign up, you get assigned seats Mm. and everything's distanced out perfectly. So we had started that. And then uh, one of the FCMA, one of the ministry academy kids got sick and then their pastor got sick. Now they all, they all have COVID, right? And so our pastor, Pastor Jim calls me up, him and his wife call me up. What do you, what should we do? Do we need to close? And I'm like, man, I'm not a doctor, just a paramedic, but they always only, they always call me with all their medical advice. So I was like, you got to shut it down. You have to, because you can't not say anything. And then somebody finds out you didn't say anything. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, but there are going to be people that are going to be mad that you're shutting down. Totally. And they're going to say mean things probably, but I told him, you got to shut it down. That's the only way. So they shut it down and it was like 10 days or something like that. I can't remember 14 days or whatever. And then I got back going again and then somebody else got sick in young adults. Mm. So then the same thing, call me again. I'm like, man, <laughs> but so, but just that the idea of, you know, people are so, They're they're holding on to the hope of, you know, hopefully Jesus, but also the hope of being able to come to church and feel like they have a little bit of normalcy. So to swipe that away, you know, it seems like just an easy decision, but, you know, I definitely weighed heavy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there's people that this is what they're holding on to. And we keep taking back away.
2: Yeah. yeah. You know? it, it's not easy for anybody. And I, I don't judge any pastors that make decisions differently than me because it's all so crazy and we've never been, right. this before. we, we made the call to go online in February. So I, we were one of the first churches in America to, to go fully digital and it, right. like people mocked us at first
1: well seattle had the first <laughs> really? american case right yeah wasn't the first american case in seattle
2: the hospital like uh 20 minutes for me 15 20 minutes from me. right yeah in the kirkland so? area so yeah people are like what are you doing you're shutting down like you know i remember some texan pastors are like we will never shut down you know you seattle people and then lo and behold like 2 months later they're shut down you know right <laughs>
1: i right.
0: mean this is this is very new i mean i mean we talked about in the very beginning like oh sars came through and we never shut down in michigan and all these other things like every political cycle there's some virus that comes through like yeah. all of these things right that people would throw around you know but it's now when you're responsible for people that are coming into your building Mm -hmm. it's it's like okay god you you gotta show us what we're supposed to do because i mean at least now with things that are we have we have live stream we have the small group we have the zoom stuff we have like everything that and then with all of the workings of how our building is able to function with multiple Mm -hmm. exits and things like that to be able to check everybody in separately and stuff like we have a building to be able to do a lot Mm -hmm. of that. So there's been a lot of churches that have called our leadership, like, how are you doing this? And a lot of it's just because they've been positioned the right place, literally at the right place at the right time with their building. But at least now people can choose, like they know Mm -hmm. how it runs coming to an in-person service and they can at least pick like what they're most comfortable with if they want to, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. I I would Mm not, I don't covet that position at all. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and it's it's not like you can think about it purely from a medical perspective because it's been so politicized. Yeah. So, you know, right. in the same day people will tell me, you know, you're bowing to Caesar cuz you're you're wearing a mask because you're you're shutting down the church even though we shut down before there were any government restrictions. We just did it right. because we didn't want, you know, people to get sick and die, but even that people are like you're giving into a spirit of fear and I'm like, right. no, no, I don't wear a jacket because I have a spirit of fear when it comes to cold. I just don't, I don't want to <laughs> get, I don't want to get cold. I don't like when right. we follow fire codes, I don't have a spirit of fear when it comes to fire, but I follow fire right. codes, you know, I'm just, right. I'm just doing the natural <laughs> like things. And right. Right.
1: But on, right. on,
2: on the other side, if we do anything in person, people are like, you don't love your neighbor. You don't care for people, but I'm also carrying the weight and I'm seeing uh, you know, as a pastor, you get a perspective a lot more like people taking their own lives. Yeah. We're seeing mental right. health and depression. And this quarantine, yes, it might keep you physically safe, but it is going to take a, a toll. And there's right. going to be a reckoning, especially with our kids. Uh, it's, it's, oh, yeah. and, and as a pastor, we we really care not just for physical safety. You know, we're right. looking at mental, social emotional, all, all of these things. And, uh, and, and theologically we believe that the government has been ordained by God and government's role is to protect people. But we also believe Mm -hmm. that the Lord has instituted not only the institution of government, but the institution of family, but also the Mm -hmm. institution of the church. And so those are the three main things. And so when the, the circles overlap and like the Venn diagram, that brings you into some great, great areas. Like, are we loving our neighbor with extra safety or are we bowing our, our knee to Caesar with extra safety and you're, right. you just can't please everybody. You just got, you got to trust the Holy spirit, point people to Jesus, yeah. be the referee in the middle, make the best call you can with the information you right. have and just be okay with people not liking it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Cause it really true. That's true. You said the great, you know, gray area being like a military guy and a paramedic and all these things. I've always been just really believed in. That's where, that's where we function. Like there is, Mm. you know, obviously in some things there's truth and then lies, Mm -hmm. you know, or light and then dark. And it's just like that. But in a lot of things, and I would say entirely in this season, it's been a lot of gray area. I've said a few times on the podcast, This is a strange season Mm -hmm. for our planet, for our country, where everybody's right and everybody's wrong at the same time. It's true. You know what I mean? And it's, I mean, I see you're on Facebook. just lots of of venom. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe it's just acting out. It's just people who that's their, they're stuck at home, right? They're, they're, they've been on lockdown restriction. It's scary. There's unrest. So it's just, the vent is it's how they let off steam and and you know maybe that wasn't really what they planned to say but they said it and it's out there like ashley said on the episode last week the scary thing is that time hop's gonna come back around you know wow that's so (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know
0: well and you know a couple decades ago if you're upset about something you called a family member or a friend and you hashed it out, you know, or you were to mail and talk to your neighbor over, you know, the the fence, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and now it's just instead of having a real conversation, it's just easy to monologue on social media. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm at least for me and my family, it showed us where we've been doing really well these past few years with relationships. Mm, Yeah. Because we went through stuff a few years ago where like God really kind of showed us that, hey, you have all these, all these relationships, but you don't consistently really pour into the few that need to be in your corner all the time. Mm. Um, and so this past year has been really great in some ways because we've had just solid people that we could lean into, but it it's, it's, so it's been weird. It's 2020 wasn't a total loss because, you know, God still works, but yeah, I mean, it was, it, I don't readily want to go through another 2020 again soon ever <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> You know? I know. 2020 oh my goodness and i i tell you, i love that time op thing because i mean i'm even thinking of scripture it says we're going to be judged not just by every careful word we're going to be judged right. by every careless word yeah. you know mm-hmm. like, we're, like those things are powerful words have power it can spark a whole, mm-hmm. whole flame you know and We need to be really aware of that, especially I think in our society, we get a lot of social clout by calling people out and, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's so cerebral. Like if, if I go to a movie with you and I say, that movie was so bad, it's all cerebral. Like I am smart. I can dissect that. But if I say it's good, it's not cerebral. It's personal. It's a heart thing. And so you have to be more emotionally vulnerable to compliment something, say it's positive positive. As opposed to critiquing something and tear it down, you can keep that in the intellectual. It's not Ooh, as personal. I did not know oh. that. You know, and I think we we've just dehumanized people. And we're we're so quick to call them out, especially with means like social media, because we forget that these are humans, these are people that carry the yeah. image of God. Yeah. And we're so we're so worried about being right or wrong. Like, like when we do marriage counseling, we say, you know. You can be right, but you won't be one. Like, what's more important to right. you? Would you rather be right or right. one? Like, what's the priority? And I, you know, even in our church, we're trying to challenge people to not have a call out culture, but having a, a call a call in culture. You know, like, hey, I noticed no, we had good. some we have some disagreement here. Can we talk on the phone in real time? And like, yeah. I want I want to learn. I want I don't want to just be understood, but I want to understand. Uh, am I missing something here? Like, let's not be right. so certain we're right, <laughs> especially with things changing so fast, especially when none of us have walked through these situations, you know, through these situations before. It, I don't think we should be so positive that we know everything.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so good. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yep. So
1: as we kind of land the plane, what we always do is kind of like give a final thought. So I think what we'll do is I'll go, then Ashley will go, and you can close us out with words of encouragement just for everybody, you know, I know there's some freedom center church people. that are going to be excited for this one to hear your voice in the building wow. again. You know what I mean? So I would just say, first off, thanks again for this, you know, this mile, this like a milestone podcast to have an yeah. out of state guest, mm-hmm. but, but for your words, I appreciate it because like we're about to embark on, like new things and Mm -hmm. it won't be quite so tough because we will be connected. We will still have the covering of the church. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we won't be out completely on our own, but it's new. And we'll be marching into new territory. And for our listeners, I would just say that we hope you found some encouragement off this episode. This was a lot of good stuff. So that's what I got. That's Ashley.
0: Awesome. Oh my gosh, there was so much we talked about. And like I'm it's fun because I'm gonna get to go back and listen multiple times to- I this is so fun. Um I think back to something that we talked about a lot in the in the beginning of all this last year was that it's it's simple but it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. as simple to reach out and take care of a person that that you see needs something. And it's simple to open your eyes to see that person, but it's, it's not easy. And it's hard to look past yourself when you're in so much pain and you've got so much going on in your life. And so the answer is Jesus. The answer is letting Him in so that He can deal with all that. The answer is reaching out and getting what you need, whether it's reaching out for counseling, reaching out for your friend to, to talk to. You know, like it's it's so many things. It could be a hundred different things, but God knows what you need. And He has good things in His hands to give us. He wants to call us in and hold us and guide mm-hmm. us and lead us and love us and restore us. And so um, I think, you know, people are like, oh, you know, these are the, the worst times and everything's going to hell in a handbasket. and no. like it's like, no, God, God is still doing good things, like amazing things. And so tomorrow is still a day to wake up and take a deep breath and be expectant to what God would want to do. So just encourage folks that like, it's not that we're going to be ignorant to the things that are happening, but we're not going to give away our power to have an impact into what can be done tomorrow either. So just yeah, a lot of good stuff. So. I'm very encouraged by so much that you shared tonight. So I'm I'm just super grateful that you you were able to be on with us tonight.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's uh you know after five years of doing you know life and ministry in Michigan, it's it's encouraging and refreshing <laughs> to be back. You know, and so uh, I'm honored. I'm I'm really honored to be here. And you know, as we're thinking of these final thoughts, I I heard this phrase yesterday that I've been chewing on, but it it feels appropriate for this moment. And these, these times we're all walking through, especially as you guys do your, your house church. Uh, and it's this, in the midst of chaos, look for the ground to be gained. In the midst of chaos, look for the ground to be gained. You know, in investing terms, Warren Buffett, he, he's this big investor. He says, when others are um, fearful, that's the time to get greedy. And when others are greedy, that's the time to be fearful when it comes to investing. And I I don't know, a lot of people are wanting to, you know, isolate themselves more than they have to. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are stepping away from bold moves and risks. But, you know, it's in these times when everybody's scared, there's some real ground to be gained. Like, think about the 2008 financial crisis. You know, if if you bought a house during that time, you know, you're getting you're getting crazy prices. And now people who did buy those houses and they've, they've grown in so much value now to where they are. You're like, what, how could you ever get a house like that? And it's because right. they, they, in the midst of that chaos in 2008, they, they look for ground to be gained. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just want to celebrate you guys that you afford vision. You're trying to reach people. Um, there are people who, who need to be to gain to be gained into a community into a safe environment people that are pouring their lives out for people's health and safety and i feel like you guys are looking for opportunities to pour into them because at the end of the day we're Absolutely. human we're at, at end of the day we're human and as we get give out it's so important that we are filled up and so for people who are listening to this i i think this might be the year for you to find a community that pours into you, this might be the year for you to find a group that understands what you're going through and can can lead you to a life of fulfillment and purpose and promise. And I just I just hope you link arms with all these people with this experiment, because it's about to be a reality in a lot of your heart, hearts and that, that light will shine bright. And so I, I just salute you guys for even praying and plotting and strategizing to gain ground in this season and i think i think you're going to reap a lot of fruit in that valley (laughs)
1: yes hope so i appreciate it (laughs) well thanks again you know this is where we kind of dip out for our listeners you can find us on facebook and uh instagram like i said last week we're never on twitter so we don't have to worry about getting (laughs) (laughs) kicked out so I
2: i love you guys's tiktok dances too You guys doing Not a great this job. show, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> People no. are going to be searching for him now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Wow, that was perfect.